We better get this episode over with then. Well, hey, if you did like the sound of that, Josh, and if you guys like the sound of that absolute banger that was just playing, uh, that is a song from my roommate who is a new up-and-coming pop artist. Uh, He has Spotify, YouTube, um, he's on Instagram, TikTok. His name is Gavin Main, M-A-Y-N-E. We will leave links in the description below so you can check him out. If you guys would go and support him, he's a Christian artist. Um, so it would really be helpful to him and uh, his way to minister the gospel through his music. So go check him out. Uh, give him a like. Give him a listen. Whatever you do with that kind of stuff. Um, he would really appreciate that, and so would we. <laughs> well, like Woody was saying, welcome back to the Undeserving Podcast. I'm Josh. That's Woody. Uh, Woody, how have you been, man? I feel like it's been a while. It has been a minute, hasn't it? I've been good. Yeah, life's busy. Life's been keeping me occupied. Yeah, what's and- new in life? Ah, you know, just going through school, doing my internship. Yeah. Have a lot of work going on. Got to meet Johnny Cage. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I met Jeff Durbin, by the way. Well, maybe on YouTube we can incorporate an image, like here, of my friend Mike and I meeting him. Maybe. maybe. We'll, we'll see if that's in the budget since somebody had to go below me, uh, the budget on music already. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But no, he was cool. He was a really nice guy. Um, he stuck around and... Even though he had a flight to catch to meet with fans and take pictures with them. Right. He was really cool. Yeah, Yeah. so he's, uh, uh, now you said he's the lead pastor at the church Apologia? Yep. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So he's a pastor, he was Johnny Cage, and he was uh, one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back in the old school movies. Donatello, right? I think I think that's what Wikipedia said. That's That's pretty neat. Yeah. That's neat. That's awesome. That's he also awesome. knows a lot of martial arts and could probably kick both of our butts. Yeah, well, I'm also not in the greatest shape of my life, but <laughs> still, that probably wouldn't help. <laughs> well, Woody, what are we looking at today? Where are we going? Well, today we are going to continue our series on Hosea. Uh, we know it's been a little while. Josh and I, unfortunately, have very busy lives outside of this. Yeah, our podcast isn't our whole life, but, you know, so we're going to continue our series today, so... Just want to get right in the passage? Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. So, uh, how do you want to split this up? You want me to go ahead and read um, today? Yeah, if you want, why don't you take the first seven verses and I'll take the rest. You got it. All right, this is Hosea 5. I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, The heading of this one says, Punishment coming for Israel and Judah. Hear this, O priests. Pay attention, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you, for you have been a snare at Mizpah, and have spread upon Tabor. And the revolters have gone deep into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God, for the spirit of whoredom is within them. And they know not the Lord. 
The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and herds shall they go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. Blow the horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm at Beth-Avon. We follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall come a des- become a desolation in the day of punishment among the tribes of Israel. I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who move the landmark. Upon, like, upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to go after filth. But I am like a moth to Ephraim, like dry rot to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king. But he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off, and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress earnestly seek me. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I love, I love having to talk about the heavy chapters full of judgment. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, not a lot of, a lot of, not, a, not a lot of happiness in this chapter. No, no, it's not. Uh, well, I guess we should probably jump right into it, huh? Yeah, so, and, you know, I... As a growing sanctified, being sanctified Christian, I am learning a lot um, regarding interpreting the Old Testament and all of Scripture um, in that matter. So I think the best way we can kind of approach this is just what I've been trying to do more recently is kind of focus on the immediate context of what's being said to these people and then applying that to how this relates to us today, like theologically, um, because... I think some th- sometimes we can jump to conclusions based off of uh, based off of text and ancient history, and kind of incorporate that very hastily into our own lives. So, but just for a little background, Josh, what's going on in this in this whole book in general? Like, why is God saying all this stuff? Yeah, so uh, a lot like with the other um, with the other chapters we've studied in Hosea already, Israel's at this point in their in their timeline, I guess, or in their lifeline where. Uh, they are not following the commandments the Lord has set for them. They are constantly worshiping other gods. They are fornicating with other gods. They are um, breaking the commandments that God has set for them. And God is at this point where he said, okay, I've been patient. I have sent prophet after prophet to call you guys back to me. Um, I have had kings, some of which have tried to lead you in my ways, but most of whom have not. So this is God sending out Hosea, who was a prophet, and this is God saying, hey, you know what? Enough is enough. That's it. I've seen everything you're doing, and now it's just time for judgment. Um, so the background is really like, this is, this is God saying, like, I gave you guys all of my grace and patience that I've had for now, and now there must be punishment for you turning away from me. Mm. And that's what's going on here. This is Hosea delivering a message to the people of Israel. Um, Or is he to Judah? I think he was to Israel. Or was he to both? I think it was to both. I think he was to both. But Hosea was a prophet, um, and God sent him to give this message of impending judgment, basically saying, hey, like, you guys have turned away from God, 
and that's your choice. You're free to make that choice, but this is what's coming because of that. Just be aware of that. Yeah, and you go back to Deuteronomy of the whole blessings and curses uh, uh, section of, of that, and God promised um, that if Israel were to obey, that they would prosper in the land, that, that the Lord would bless them all of their days, but if they rebelled, that the land would eat them up yeah. and spit them out. Yeah. Um, and this is very much what's happening is Israel, like you said, God has been patient over and over and over again with Israel, but they continue to uh, rebel and commit idolatry and God's keeping his promise. He's saying that he's had enough of their iniquity. Um, and uh, like in verse 5, uh, it even says that like their own sins testify against them. Um, and their own pride testifies against them. And not only for Israel, but also for Judah. And uh, I think uh, a verse that kind of stuck out to me in this chapter Josh which is one that I think is going to cause some controversy that needs to be addressed is verse 7 um, which is they have dealt faithlessly with the Lord for they have borne alien children yeah so someone might read that and come to the conclusion oh uh, God is an ethnic God and doesn't want intermingling with other races with Israel for his chosen people so how do we how do we address something like that yeah, yeah. Um, you see, that's really, that's really not the correct way of looking at it, because um, we have examples even in the Old Testament um, of many people who, even by this point, were outside of the nation of Israel, um, but were welcomed in, but were welcomed in because they were willing to follow the statutes of God. Um, the first one that comes to mind is uh, is Ruth. I think she was Moabite. Right. Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest one that comes to mind is is uh, Rahab. Right, and and she Ruth, went on. Yeah, Ruth and Rahab were both in the in the line of of uh, Christ. Of Christ. Yep. Yeah. So those are two examples of people who originally weren't even um, Israelite. Um, so ethnically, they weren't even part of the religion. Who went on to be part of the bloodline of the Messiah. Um, so God is not saying here, oh, you're not the right ethnicity, you're not the right skin color, or oh, your children aren't the right skin color, your children aren't the right ethnicity, um, and because of that, they're separated from me forever. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to banish them. Um, the thing we always have to remember is that God has always called Israel to be a holy and separate people, not by bloodline physically, but because of who they are um, in terms of worshiping God. So when he calls them to be a holy and set-apart priesthood, uh, and he, he calls the same thing for believers in the New Testament as well, that's, that's kind of like the, I don't even want to say ethnicity that he wants us to be, but that's how we're supposed to be represented. That's supposed to be our nationality. We're supposed to be... Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, sons and daughters of God. Yeah. So I think what God is trying to say in this is one of the things that we're seeing is the people of Israel are going out and they are having children with people who aren't following God. And as a result of that, both parents are not following Christ or they're not following God in the Old Testament. So when he says alien, he means these are children who are not going to be brought up in the statutes of God. They are they are 
they are alien in the sense that they are not brought into that covenant. They are not brought into the holy covenant that God has set Israel on. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. And like you said, it's not a matter of ethnicity. It's it's so that uh, Israel would be holy unto the Lord. Um, and you see examples in the, uh, before this even actually um, you look at uh, Balaam who uh, tries to get the Moabite woman to seduce Israel and bring in their gods and their uh, their practices that were like idolatrous and evil into the nations because they were seducing the people of Israel. It's not because of who they were as uh, a nation or as a culture. It was because of their like wicked practices. Right. Um, and it's the same thing with Solomon too. It's like Solomon married many foreign women to create political alliances and it led him astray from God. He introduced uh, different kinds of gods and idols into the house of the Lord. Um, and so it like you said, it's not a matter of um, this person is uh, darker, lighter skin, skin tone than I am. It's of okay, they don't know the law of the Lord. Yeah, they don't keep his statutes, and and the theological sense that we can apply to today is like, you know, as Christians, we are called to marry Christians. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. If they're children of God, they're children of God, and God calls people from all tribes, tongues, and nations to himself. Um, the point is, so I, I hate when people use verses like these, and like out-of-context verses in the Old Testament to support uh, or to go against interracial marriage. I, one, I think it's just a way to justify racism. Right. And two, it's not biblical. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're called to marry people who uh, love the Lord, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who are compatible with us personally. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Skin color doesn't apply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that's all good. And, you know, just, just going on that um, even more, at the end of the day, when, when God created this covenant with Abraham, um, he said ultimately the plan of, of the covenant was that the Jews and you know, his statutes would go on to become um, a blessing to all peoples. So, once again, there's there's no there's no proof in the Old Testament that God is trying to discriminate or exclude anyone um, in any way. Yeah, when the Bible says that God chose Israel, it never says why he chose Israel. He just did. He just chose Israel, that's all. And, and you know, I know there are tons of people that think about why him and not somebody else you know and it's like it, it doesn't matter that was god's choice and we have to be okay with that yeah yeah because abraham obeyed i guess that's the, that's the closest thing we can come to an answer <laughs> yeah i i guess um but yeah no that that was good way to point that out woody because i think that's um that's a really important thing that that does need discussed and i think um and I think, unfortunately, that's something that the church kind of shies away talking about uh, today, even. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else that's really sticking out to you, though? Well, we kind of see the repeated language in here um, that's not just in this chapter, but has been in the previous chapters, too, is that Israel has played the whore, right? Yeah. Um, so God's very much like honing in on the fact of their spiritual idolatry um, or their spiritual adultery. I'm sorry. Um, and we discussed the idea of syncretism before this, and that is that they that Israel was trying to 
like they were basically playing play what we would call today like Eastern Christmas Christians, right? Right. Or Christers. Christers, yeah. Yeah. Where they would serve God in a like traditional sense and because it's the right thing to do, but then they would worship uh, Ashtra and the Baals and all these other gods and thinking that they were still on good terms with God and God was absolutely not okay with that. Right. Um, because they were not fully devoted unto him and the Lord doesn't accept anything but full devotion. Um, so we see, we've seen in previous chapters that Israel's sacrifices had become an abominable to the Lord. They were sickening him. Um, and, you know, basically in this chapter too, um, try and find it real quick. Maybe I... Maybe I was wrong about that. I thought I saw another example, but basically, again, like their their traditions, their keeping of the law is doing nothing for them because they are not in reverence to the Lord and Him alone. Yeah, yeah, um, and just something else I really want to that I really uh, like and that I want to point out um, is like God, like in the previous chapters, is pointing out like. Hey, I'm going to bring punishment. I am going to be the one to bring judgment. I will choose who is going to be the one punishing you. Um, and towards the end here, um, you know, he says, he says, uh, I, even I, will tear and go away, and I will carry off, and no one shall rescue. And I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress earnestly seek me. And, like, there's just this repeated idea that, like, God is the one who ultimately has the final say on how long this is going to last. God is the one who has the say on when he is going to allow their judgment to stop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I think we have this, um, I think there's this idea in the church nowadays that sometimes we screw up really badly or that we are living in a sin that gets us in trouble. Um, and we suddenly think, oh, you know, as soon as God starts punishing us for our sin, we think, oh, well, now I'm just going to uh, start living life right again. And, and you know, God's just going to stop. He's not going to punish me anymore because I've gotten myself back on track. And, and you know, good for you if that's that's what it took to get you back on track, that God was finally punishing you and breaking you, you know, because God chastises the one he loves. But we've also got to recognize that God is punishing you for a reason. That God may be bringing that discipline into your life for a reason. Um, And you don't have any control over when that actually stops. Mm -hmm. So that may be unfortunate to hear. And I think that some us don't like to hear. But ultimately God is in control of when he has to discipline you. And if you need to be disciplined, God is the one who gets to say when that stops. Um... And another unfortunate side effect of that is depending on what you've done, sadly, there are just natural consequences to everything we do. Right. Like, sometimes God might not have to do anything more because a natural consequence is going to follow. If you cheated on your wife or something, yeah, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff that naturally just follows that when everybody finds out. God might not have to lift a finger past that because that that might be enough, but... Yeah. Ultimately, God is the one who chooses when your discipline ends. For sure. And I think, Josh, um, that kind of ties neatly into what I think could be our final point here, unless you have more to add. Um, 
Uh, I think I'd be good. I think I'll be good. Cool. Well, I think this ties neatly into the conclusion and also the hope of what this chapter does end with. Um, because ultimately, you see Ephraim and Judah, because of their God's punishment upon them and their sickness and their wounds, they run to Assyria, right? They run to different gods. Mm-hmm. Like it says here, Ephraim went to Assyria and said to the great king, he said, God said, but he is not able to cure you or heal your wounds. Right. It's like, how often do we see in a more ap- uh, modern spiritual sense of our of our issues that we have in life because we have um, we are made to worship God and to enjoy him forever but yet we are rebellious we our natural sin nature doesn't want God so we go towards everything else idols kings what have you other people um, mentors and instead of going to God to have him heal us of our spiritual wounds, our our brokenness and our ugliness that we uh, have a desperate need to be fixed. And God is, it's like God is saying here, like, you're going to all these other sources, but you're not coming to the right source. Like, if you would, like, I would heal you. Right. Um, and at the end, he even says, like, uh, he says that when they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and they earnestly seek me, I will heal them. Yeah. Um, and so we read a chapter like this and it is, it's scary. Like we see God's judgment. It's not a joke. Um, if, if, if we are not in Christ, if we do not acknowledge him as Lord, like we are under his judgment and his wrath, but his wrath isn't the last, his final say in the matter. Right. Um, Christ has come to this earth and he has, uh, as God himself and has took upon the iniquities of the world. And though he knew no sin, he became sin. Right. And he took that punishment for everyone who had come to believe. Um, And then he rose three days later, defeated sin and death. And so he offers us a way to escape God's judgment and God's wrath. And that is to turn to him and repent and trust in him alone as Savior. So if you're watching this today, maybe you're not too familiar with the Bible. Maybe you're just trying to see what Christianity is all about. Um, And you're probably filling your life with things that aren't able to fix your brokenness, aren't able to fix your condition. But God says that if you come to him and you seek his face, you turn to Christ, you know, he will forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all your iniquities. Right. And that's the ultimately healing that we need. Not physical healing, uh, not mental healing. We need uh, reconciliation between us and our God. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great way uh, to wrap it up. Um, I don't think I have anything else to to build off of that. Um Assyria, they're the ones who ended up taking out the northern kingdom, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it's ironic that, you know, that uh, they went to Assyria for help. And I see this, in, I see this paralleled, paralleled in our lives so often that they went to this one source for help, and that's the thing that ended up destroying them. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And, and, and you know how often do we do this, though? Like... You know, somebody will say, oh, you know, just a drink to help take the edge off. Next thing you know, they're an alcoholic. And I'm not trying to judge anybody with any sorts of, you know, substance abuse issues. I've dealt with my own stuff in the past. I get it. It's hard. Or, you know, but just that idea that how much are you relying on those things until Mm -hmm. it becomes dangerous? Oh, yeah. And sin demands more and more. It always promises, but it never satisfies. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so mixing that in with uh, everything you just said, it's I think that's a pretty great way to end the episode. It's going to be a little shorter, but, uh, you know, that's okay. I mean, it's hard... Unless we want to drag this out, John MacArthur style, I think uh, we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Hosea has so much good in it, but there's also a lot that gets repeated, and usually it's, uh, and it's all very sobering. <laughs> but uh, like I said, a lot of it's also uh, destruction. I don't want to bum anybody out too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll end with the hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. So that's uh, Hosea 5. We'll be back eventually with Hosea 6. Um, Well, until then, I've been Josh. This has been Woody. This is the Undeserving Podcast. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, undeservingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. uh, We're on Instagram. Um, Do we have anything else? No. Gmail, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, We don't have Twitter, do we? Do we have Twitter? And There's we're not, no. We're not getting one. Yeah, it's no. Not happening. Sorry, I'm not a tweeter. Uh, we'll not con- my style. We'll consider TikTok in uh, the future, maybe. Consider uh, it. Oh, dude, don't make me a TikToker. <laughs> People already think that uh, I'm a Russian propaganda user because I have iFunny. <laughs> I said we consider it. <laughs> but yeah. But that being said, if you again, if you like my friend Gavin's music, please go check him out. We'll leave some dis- uh, links in the description below. Yeah, like, I don't even like pop music, and I think it's pretty alright, so you know it's at least okay. Yes, sir. So until next time, I've been Josh. And I've been Brian. Have a great day.